Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. If you're anything like Sayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Sayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Preck. And today our guest is Charlotte Dunford. She is the managing partner of Johns Creek Capital, an investment managing company that focuses on mobile home park investments with a total investor subscription amount of over $4.2 million. They currently have over 20 park investments, and she herself has also created over $500,000 in asset value in the past 12 months. Charlotte really comes from humble beginnings and is a first-generation American citizen and college graduate after leaving China with just her belongings at age 16. So I'm super excited to have this interview with you, Charlotte. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Thank you so much. So Charlotte, if you'd like to get started with you know sharing a little bit more about your background and how you got started in real estate, that would be great. Yeah, definitely. So my background, like you said earlier, I came to the United States when I was 16 years old for high school to really seek a better future and to fulfill my dream, really a goal of going to American college and to you know live in the United States. And I thought going to high school in, in America was a good start. So that's how I really started. So I really, I didn't have anybody here. Uh, I didn't know anybody. So that was in a way, very challenging, at the same time, exciting for me. And then I went out to college here in Georgia at Georgia Tech, one of the top engineering schools in the country, and uh, graduated in 2017 with a Bachelor of Science in Business Administration. And after that, I've always been interested in entrepreneurship and business. So I graduated with a business degree as well. After working a year and a half as a data analyst, business analyst, I started my own company, my own real estate company. And after having some experience in real estate, I was uh, doing deals on the side when I was working a corporate job. I used the very little salary I had and the very little savings I had to fund the deals that I had. And the rest was history, really. So I launched John Street Capital along with my business partner. And now, like you said, we have $4.2 million asset under management. And our goal next step is to really expand and uh, grow and deliver excellent results for our investors. Well, awesome. Thank you for sharing. So, you know, when you first came to the United States, how was it different for you when you were starting up creating your entrepreneurial lifestyle and was there any barriers that you felt starting from the beginning, not really having too much of a background like growing up here and you know, maybe not necessarily having those connections that some people may have that they've built up here in the United States already? Can you talk a little bit about that or share? 
Yeah, definitely. When I first came as a high school student, really, I was 16 years old and I had to study English from scratch. I didn't speak English. So and I had to study for the SATs exam, just like all the other American students would. And I think that really taught me about perseverance. And of course, there were a lot of cultural things, culture shocks that I had to get used to. But I think just like anything, when you don't have a lot of resources, you have to make do with the resources that you do have. And I think when I first started out, everything is harder at the beginning. And when I first started out, I had no money, no resources, no connections, but I did have the knowledge and the perseverance and friends that I made upon living here to pull just a tiny little bit of resource together, just enough to get myself up just a tiny little bit one day at a time. And it's really a bootstrapping journey. And that's when we attracted attentions of investors and how we started to grow pretty quickly. But at the beginning, I think, of course, it's challenging and you know, the barrier of entry is pretty high. But I think once you get past the beginning, you will, the rest will follow and you'll keep at it. So prior to investing in your first deal and closing on that first one, I kind of wanted to ask you a little bit about of all the different asset classes that you can get into within real estate, you know, what did you decide to focus on? It sounded like, was it first mobile home parks or did you look at other different avenues as well? And what drew you to this particular investment type? Yeah, definitely. Great question. So when I first started, I started with a single family home. I bought a single family home in South of Atlanta. And and then with that, I bought another duplex in North Georgia. So those are really the two assets that I had other than mobile home parks. And I started with that. That's because, you know, I I didn't really know about mobile home parks at the time. And it, it was really never talked about. And even today, mobile home parks, I would say, is still a very much ignored asset class. So at the time I got into duplex and single family home. And then I, when I quit my job, I was thinking, you know, which maybe I'll just continue to get getting duplexes and apartment buildings. And I found the competition to be extremely fierce in the multifamily realm. And you're looking at cap rate about 4% to 5%. So so it's extremely heated and competitive. There's really no way as a beginner to get into realms like that anymore. So I, I'm a big believer of the, I think a lot of people hear about the blue ocean strategy where you do not want to compete in where everybody wants to squeeze in there. And there you cannot have that many players in a market to share healthy returns. So for me, I wanted to focus on a niche area where not a lot of people really focus on. So that's how we came across mobile home parks. And I did a lot of research on it and got got some got myself educated on the mobile home parks. And that's how I started. And that's why I chose the second part. And can I ask, prior to getting into real estate full-time and starting up your entrepreneurial business, you were working a full-time job, like a traditional full-time yeah. W-2 job? Yes, correct. I was working as a business analyst for one of the corporate uh, corporations here in North Georgia. And so can you share a little bit about that transition and the decision you made to leave the corporate job life and to go into real estate full-time and build up your portfolio from there? Right. So the transition was very interesting, actually, because everybody was scared for me. My husband was scared for me. My husband's family was scared for me. My own parents were scared for me because, look, I worked for a year and a half and my husband was not out of school yet. He just graduated and I I quit my job. So there was really nothing going on that it's not like I have a million dollars in savings I could use to sustain myself 
or to launch this venture. But I think I made a jump into the entrepreneurial world. One, because it's always something that I've always wanted to do. And two, I saw an opportunity in the market where I think it will be a good opportunity for me to capitalize on that. And three, I, I truly believe I was confident in my ability to be an entrepreneur, which you know a lot of times entails resilience and persistence. And if I didn't have the skill, I knew that team building, you know, it's a team sport. So team, I would have team members that work with me on particular issues that I cannot solve. So with those things combined, I was fully confident. But like I said, my family, they're extremely scared for me. But uh, I think I think that's the best decision I've ever made. Yeah, especially coming from like traditional backgrounds and everything like that and and what they typically see as being, you know, a safe and secure path, going the entrepreneurial route is definitely more of a, you know, a little bit more scarier venture, especially for those people around you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my own family, I mean, they're very traditional. My, My parents' wishes always was for me to become an engineer just like them. And that's why kind of I followed that path. I went to engineering school and, you know, graduated and got a job. And that's kind of what they wanted. And they were extremely happy for me. And they were set, well, you're set, you're set for life. But that's how they were. They worked in the same position, same company for 40, 50 years. And then that's that. But when I told them I'm quitting their job, they could not believe it. They were saying, why are you throwing your life away? But I think, you know, I just have a different perspective on that. So in regards to mobile home parks, you mentioned it's not as, you know, may not be as competitive as some of the other area asset classes, but as you were doing your research and getting your education and building up that foundation on that aspect of it, for people who might not be as familiar with mobile home parks investing, what were some of the different aspects to you that you found really appealing about this asset class? Well, I guess the first thing is that it's not competitive. So that brings the price down. But nowadays, I think the cap rate is going lower because people are realizing how good of an asset class it is. So the market is quite hot. Another thing is Mumbo Home Park, the closest asset class I will compare it to is a parking lot. So really, all the mobile homes in the park are owned by their own owners. So the park owners, uh, us, we don't actually want to own the homes. If we do own the home, we want to transition out of it and then give it to the tenants or sell it to the tenants or something like that that we don't have to take responsibilities of fixing the furnace, fixing the running toilet, fixing a water pipe or anything like that. So I think because of that, you're able to run dirt and you don't have a lot of expenses. That would be the model of the mobile home park. And, you know, for me and my company is where we were focusing on small niche within a niche, which is a smaller to medium level mobile home parks where we get it for a very good deal and then uh, do some value add. Majority of it's raising rents and then sell it off. So I think that's really, in a nutshell, that's why this is very attractive and that's why it attracted our attention. And how do you typically evaluate like the location that you decide to invest in for mobile home parks? Well, it's just like how you evaluate a lot of different real estate. For us, the parameter would be, it has to be, it will have to look at the location has a lot of different factors, right? So it has the population, the population growth, real estate appreciation, housing vacancy, and you can look at even the local laws regarding mobile home parks. Is it zoned correctly? Does the local government like the asset class? And sometimes they can make your life a lot harder if they don't like the asset class. So really a lot go into it, but you want to make sure that there are enough employers in the town and then the population is growing to make sure that your park is not going under and the town is not going under in the next five years. We love hosting this show. 
When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us, because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. So can you take us back to your first deal within the mobile parks investments on how did you find the deal? How are you able to finance it? And then what was kind of like the overall business plan when you took it over? Yeah, so the first ever mobile home park, we closed in August of 2019. So that park was actually in South Georgia, where it's an extremely good location. It has a power plant next to it. So it has never had a problem getting tenants. And the price is just, I think the rents we've been raising so many times at this point, because the market demand is so high, and we can get so many tenants in, in the park. So uh, how I got it was I got uh, got it through uh, some broker relationships I had through asking about the park. And I got sent a listing and started analyzing and writing the deal. And the numbers worked out. So as far as how I financed it, it was actually on seller financing. So we, we put down, I think it's 25% uh, and the seller would finance it. So at, at 4% uh, interest rate. So that was actually a pretty good deal. The most important thing is that you want to make sure there's a spread between the interest rate of the loan and the cap rate when you purchase this. So overall, it's it's been a good deal. And the business plan wise, you know, we, we were able to fill a lot, which added really boosted the revenue, given that the area's market is so strong. So right now we're actually positioning it to exit, so to sell. And we actually were able to, we bought the park for $235,000 right now. This is about two years later now, we're under contract for 400000 So it's not a bad turnaround. Oh, wow. And so then was that just all based off of renting or increasing the rents or were there other value add types of opportunities that you guys had Yeah, there is. So we add a new sign to the park where it looks much better than the old one. And we added some white fences to give it a good country feel. And we also have done a ton of maintenance work and pretty much renovated the the well house and the septic tanks and just a lot of utility infrastructure that we upgraded. And on top of that, of course, is raising rent and turning some of the park-owned homes into tenant-owned homes. So they're all, you know, all part of the value-add plan for sure. Got it. So for you, I guess, Charlotte, what was the most difficult part, I guess, when you were first starting to build up this and setting up your system, setting up your overall business? What was the most challenging aspect of this? The most challenging part is that you don't know what you don't know. And that's the difficult thing. You can't really pinpoint at where what you're doing wrong when you're completely in the dark. So I guess being an entrepreneur is it's, it's difficult. This applies to everybody who is an entrepreneur and trying to start or run a business is that you don't know what you don't know. And you just have to put yourself out there, take actions and uh, figure it out yourself. And eventually you will figure it out. You just want to make sure that you, you're careful, you do your research, you get yourself educated and take amount of actions, uh, massive amounts of actions so that you're moving yourself forward. 
then since your first one, you've done 20 different mobile park investments? Yeah, right now we have 22 parks under management. We bought 22 parks. Got it. And and so were most of these like all um, seller financing or did you also bring investors into, into your deals as well? Yeah, so most of our deals, we have investors. Even if they're on seller financing, we still have a raise goal. We still have investors. So yeah, all of them have investors. We're essentially servicing our investors, you know, returning the return on investment they expect and then we're going to deliver. So yeah. Got it. So then can you share with us, you know, the first time when you started to bring in investor capital, what was kind of that conversation like and how have you been able to build up your investor database and present these different opportunities to your investors? Well, I think really just put yourself out there and investors become interested and they see your bio, they see your website and they reach out to me and we'd have have a conversation about what I do, who I am, the deals I have, and then I will be sending them deals and then the rest really goes from there. And I think it's hard at the beginning when you're trying to build up your credibility and your portfolio where you have nothing to show for. And that's, I think that's pretty difficult. Uh, Once you get past the first deal, second deal, and you show success in that, that's when you really start getting traction. And as um, you know, if an investor who's like kind of a first time investor, they're looking at different opportunities and mobile home parks might be something that they might be interested in it. What is like your advice for a passive investor in terms of evaluating the deal itself and how to, you know, determine whether or not it is a good investment for them. So for a passive investor, I think, so our criteria is that we want all the investors to be accredited investors. So they have to have uh, a certain level of net worth and income level. So that gives them some sort of, you know, they understand enough about business to be able to make their judgment call. And I think more importantly, the more important thing about evaluating a deal is evaluating the sponsor who you're working with. So if, if John's Creek Capital brings you a deal, then you have to look at our track record, look at our assets under management rather than the deal itself. Because I think people really invest in people and groups, not really the deal itself. Got it. No, that's really great advice. Yeah, definitely. It's like uh, what they say when you're getting into syndication types of things, it's like a marriage in a sense. You know, you want to yeah. really vet your sponsor and, and get a really good sense of who they are and exactly. what their business plan is and whether it's exactly. a good fit for you. Exactly. Yeah. So, as a passive investor, what has been like the biggest surprise or like the, the most common questions that they typically ask as they're investing or looking to invest in a mobile home park? Well, I think the biggest question really actually pretty standard. They just want to understand how it works, the mechanics of the deal. So how it works from there. And, you know, the questions that you've asked are actually pretty common. So the next thing they will ask is, how does it work? What's the next step? So I guess the next step from there is that we'll be sending you a deal and then we'll pretty much guide you through the entire process. And they will also ask about our preferred return. Right now we're offering 8% preferred rate of return. And then after that, after that, it will be a waterfall structure, meaning that once you hit 8% profit and we'll split the profit 70, 30, 70 being investor, 30 being us. And that resets every year. And then goes when you go up a hurdle at 4% each, each time, when you go up to 12%, prefer, not preferred, just rate of return, you get split into 60, 40. And then when you get to 16%, that's 50, 50 and it stops there. And every year you resets. So I guess that's the, I guess the mechanics that 
people want to understand because it, you know if you've invested you've invested in syndications before you probably understand very very well how that works but you haven't that may be a little bit difficult for some people to understand but for us you know we just walk them through how it works and once you're in a deal or two it's, it becomes pretty obvious so and with over the past year and a half or so we've been in this pandemic as well and I'd love to ask, you know, based off of your knowledge in the space and what you've seen, has your investing strategy changed at all, especially now and then forward looking? I wouldn't say my strategy changed, but I would just say that we're extra careful with selecting this tenant base because during the pandemic, tenants, we were met with an eviction moratorium, which means that they don't have to pay rent. And that's extremely difficult in terms of collections. So we want to make sure that every single tenant we have in the park are good actors and they will not be a bad stakeholder in the business and just really cause a lot of issues and bad debts. And that's something, you know, it's always important, extremely important in selecting good tenants. But in this time and day, it's even more important. Another thing that we notice and we, we know is that to stay away from park on homes because they're really a headache. And a lot of times the repairs and maintenance can really sink you. And I'm curious to ask too, are tenants in mobile home parks, are they treated as regular tenants in single family homes, apartment buildings, do the laws and everything like that apply to them? And is it exactly the same if you're renting a mobile home? Well, they're not renting the mobile home. They own the mobile home. They're renting the lot. It'll be like they're renting a parking lot space in a parking lot. So yeah, all the tenant landlord tenant laws are exactly the same for them. And there's really nothing different. If it, evictions work the same way. If you're evicting them, you're just like evicting this home. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So Charlotte, for you, what is next for you and Johns Creek Capital? For us, I think 2021, we have some good deals coming up to wrap this year up. In 2022, we are really expanding pretty quickly. So we are you know, really onboarding a lot of people. And our goal in the next five years is to really grow exponentially and deliver the expected returns for our investors. And how has real estate investing impacted your life? I mean, this is what I do. So it is kind of my life. And I think it has really, I quit my job so to do this. And I, like I said, it's the best decision I've ever made. So I think it's definitely, it's been a dream come true for sure. And I'd actually really like to ask this question for you, Charlotte, especially taking that leap of faith for you and going this entrepreneurial pathway. Was there any point for you where you might not have felt as confident in your business plan and what kind of drove you to continue pushing forward and really believe in this model? Well, I think it's less about believing in this model, but believing in yourself and your team and believing in certain systems and the market, really, because you have to have this confidence in, confidence in yourself. You know, things happen, right? Things, COVID happened. Nobody could have predicted that. But I think when things happen, you have to have contingencies, uh, different plans to to have workarounds because things do happen. And of course, there are times when your business plan do not go as planned because things are always changing. But you have to have the ability to adapt to the changes. And I think that's what you have to be confident in. And what is one thing that sets the successful people apart in real estate investing? Well, I think... That's a really good question. I think that's like what sets anybody successful apart from anybody, really. What's something that sets people apart from being successful and being unsuccessful? I think number one is that you you have to have a certain level of motivation. A lot of those is really 
soft skills and you have to realize what you're good at we're not good at and if you're good at something that's what you need to be doing and if you're not good at something you need to have someone else do that job that you're not good good at doing you can't wear all the hats so i think a successful person needs to know how to do teamwork and have team play and realize that the business is a team sport and is there one thing that you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started i think this is actually something in general just delegate hire a property manager work with the team don't do everything yourself that that's the best thing i wish i could have told myself awesome well charlotte thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing about your background and what you're focusing on in the mobile home space i'm definitely really enjoyed this conversation with you today same here thank you so if our listeners want to find a little bit more about you charlotte where is the best place that they can go yeah, so the best way to reach me is you can go to our website at johnscreekcapital.com or you can call me directly at 470-265-0911. Awesome. Thank you so much, Charlotte. Thank you. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate. We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonifacecapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.